Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was crossing the street when I met the love of my life. I chased after her. Nothing would stand in my way. Not the dog walker, nor the hot dog vendor. Finally reaching her, I asked, what do you call that amazing smell? Um, it's... Gain Flings. Gain Flings. My love had a name, but more importantly, it had a scent. Fall in love with Gain Flings. Seriously good scent. Try Gain Flings today with special savings at Family Dollar. Welcome to another exciting edition of the 4020 Live Almost Daily World Cup podcast, episode number three, and the World Cup has not even started yet. On today's programme, we will hear from Tonga, Scotland, New Zealand, Lebanon, Ireland, the Cook Islands, but first, Wales. Uh, John Keir has been to plenty of World Cups, and this is another chance for him and Wales to build the sport in the Principality. It's not the same as it was, where you can go and sign you know, whoever the famous Welsh Reunion players are anymore, now that they're getting paid legitimately. So, here is the coach of Wales and witness, John Keir. John Keir, a man who's seen many a World Cup. Especially hoping the weather's going to be better than it was in 2000. No, I have to tell you the truth because uh, I'm hoping that it's as unlike and Papua New Guinea and the cookouts as we can possibly get. I'm happy for it to be windy, for it to be raining, and let's see then the type of football that they play because. uh, we played Papua New Guinea in Papua New Guinea in 2017, and my word, that was like playing in a sauna. So it'll be good to see the flip side. Uh, the, the group of death, you, you've landed in it. It is the, the media construct. How do you get through a group like this with three massive sets of men? Yeah, well, they are, I mean, they're obviously, I mean, you wanted to see them as they're in and around this event. I mean, they are big men, and they're also great athletes. And I've just been speaking to Christian Wolf, the Tongan coach, and, you know, Fafita, the lad who played against France, scored three tests, is 121 kilograms and this is as fast as anything he's seen. So that's the task that we've got to handle. So the, the physicality of the opposition, the skill level of the opposition, and full time players when we're mainly part time. But I don't see that as an issue, me. It's just great to be in and around an elite competition. And as I said earlier, I, I think we've got to enjoy the life experience. And what my players have got to give is they've just got to give everything. And if they do that, 
I will be more than happy with, uh, with you know what we've contributed to this World Cup. You've got a pretty good record in cup competitions. Will you approach this a game at a time, or have you set a path that you'd like to go on? No, we're going a game at a time, Phil. We really are. We've, we've, we've said that as a group. You know, our, our focus at the minute, we're, we're just ignoring Papua New Guinea and Tonga and their game. We're just looking at the Cook Islands. We've got some pretty uh, good detailed footage and, and information about each individual there. We will then impart that, obviously, to the appropriate ones within our group. And hopefully we're fully aware of what they're going to throw at us on that Wednesday. Then we're going to have a tough five days then before the Tongan game. And we'll have to do something similar but in a, in a condensed manner before we've got a week between the, the, the la- that game and then the PNG game. But at the minute we've just said, right, PNG and Tonga, we forget about them. We just look at the Cook Islands. And that's how we're focusing on it. And that is a winnable game. Um, would you be looking at that being the perfect start for you to play yeah. probably a similarly ranked nation that you could get over the top of? Yes, I, w- I would. But they're, they're obviously, they've still got some very good players, though. You know, I mean, they've uh, got some NRL players who were uh, pretty special. But I, I agree with you totally. You know, we can look at that and think that's a winnable game. And that's why we're looking at it one game at a time. And that's why our focus totally is on that game. And that would represent an improvement on 2017. Um, but again, I, I know that you're only building incrementally, but quarterfinals, is that realistic? Well, it would it, it be an improvement. We haven't won a World Cup game since 2000. So they didn't qualify in 2008 in Wales. 2013-17 we did, but didn't win. We got knocked out of the group stages. So, so a win would be an incremental game, you know, a small margin forward. And if you win that first one, you never know what it does to players. Confidence and belief... So, and that's the reason Phil, that we're just doing it one at a time I know it's it's boring it's the old Kenny Dalglish at Liverpool but that's how we're approaching it and you don't mind being an underdog it's no, never, never troubled you in the past no we're playing that card Phil believe you me we're playing that card mighty heavily three sets of brothers in the team like one of them are, yeah. one of them are twins does that help with bonding that everybody knows each other so well, well well what we did we split the all the brothers we split up and, and put them uh, with somebody else because we feel as if obviously brothers know a lot about each other but what they've got to do is, is engage and mix with and get to know the rest of the group because obviously a, a, a tight group is obviously a tight team and it's, it is a team game doesn't matter what individuals you've got the whole is greater than some of the parts and that's what we're trying to generate it's out game important for you did you learn a lot from playing a, a nation like Lebanon? we did yeah it, well, it, it was important both the France game in mid-season and that was because We'd had three fellow years, but it's been awful for international sport, never mind international rugby league. And we feel it's like been the rebirth with the France game and then this Lebanon game. And obviously what we want now is not only a rebirth, but a bit of success as well. And that's what we'll be striving for. And you're internationalist. You always have been passionate about this should be the, the pinnacle of the game. Yes. Been involved with, is this your third national team? It's my third national team, my fourth World Cup, yeah. And how excited are you that we're on the verge of a World Cup? I'm, I'm immensely excited because this is the biggest, they're getting bigger each time, and what it happens is, Phil, will be on the newspaper headlines, will be the first on the agenda of the sporting, you know, the sporting press and the social media. So it's, it's a time we've got to embrace this. And I'll, I'll tell you what I am certain of, Phil, is that the players will deliver. Because in this great sport of ours, the players always deliver when we need them to. And you're going to see some great rugby league over the next month. And in general, the Sporting Wales is, is back on the up. Obviously, the men's team, you're in charge, but the women won their yeah. European Championship at the weekend. And the wheelchair team are in the competition as well. It, it's on the rise at all. It is, and when we've got under-16s and under-19s playing, you know, so... 
Yeah, it, it is. It's and, and that's that's the legacy from World Cups, and it's we're having to do it a different way. We're having to grow our own because gone are the days where we could get your Jonathan Davises and people like that, pick out the elite rugby union stars and offer them something in rugby league. But now rugby union is professional as well, so you can't do that. We're having to grow and develop our own. Twelve of those twenty-four players are Welsh born. You know, so we're very proud of that and we see that as the way forward in the future. We always feel an affinity to the Welsh national team here at 4020 Live. Not that we're Welsh at all, but they tag us in all their tweets. So, you know, we know more about them than anyone else. Uh, let's stick in these islands. In a moment, we'll be hearing from Jed Corcoran and George King of the Irish national team, who we managed to sneak into our pod. We weren't supposed to speak to them, but they just popped in anyway. They must like us. Uh, but first, here from north of the border, is Nathan Graham with Scotland's chances in this World Cup. How much are you looking forward to the World Cup? It, it, it's almost here, finally. Finally, yeah. We've, we've played a long time, haven't we? Um, and all of a sudden it's upon us, so yeah, looking forward to it. It's a big challenge for some of our guys stepping up to this level. Most of our guys are, are part-time players, so you know, for, for them to be involved in something like this, it's something that they're, they're thoroughly embracing. And... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough group what we're in, but we, we'll take it game by game and hopefully get the ball, get the most out of it. Game against the Knights at the weekend. What did you take out of that from the, the team's performance? Yeah, I think it, it, it was never about, about the result really. It was more about just getting people on the park, getting getting people together. There's probably six, seven debutants in the, in that group, so obviously we had to get them on the field and fit together with the other guys as well. There were a uh, number of guys from overseas who've been landing in Manchester till 12 o'clock on the Wednesday lunchtime and had to travel up to Edinburgh, so they've had a, a hell of a 30-hour journey, 30-hour plus. So obviously they needed to get that travel out of the legs, so you know, we rested them up so that they only had one, one sort of team run and then we had, they had 20 minutes on, on Saturday, which is well worthwhile, so it got all the travel out of the legs and they're good to go this week. Um, one guy in your squad from Edinburgh Eagles, Lewis Clark, an experienced guy. Um, would you hope that the legacy of this competition is next time you play, you'll have more Lewises? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we've always said that, and um, it's it's getting harder and harder in, in terms of um, competition. So ne- next year, the Euros. I'm, I'm not sure if the, the figures are correct, but there, there might it might be five domestic players that we have to have in our squad. So we're, we're conscious of that and conscious of you know getting those numbers right and, and getting those people to a standard that's sort of good enough to, to play in the, in the full international team uh, there's kind of an international process that's set up already so we've got on the 16th program Monday 19th program and students program so we, we want to get people through there starting starting young and keep them keep them in that process so that when they get to under 19s they're, they're kind of good to go but also, we're conscious of um, club level as well, so we'd, we'd like to develop uh, the, the, the club scene up in Edinburgh. And there's no better way to do that than to perform well on a big audience and a, and a big World Cup like this. And does the, something like the 2016 Four Nations help? Because again, you played at Coventry, you, you, you played the top three nations in the world, and you, you acquitted yourselves pretty well. Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, but that being said, the the group's a lot different from then, you know, people people retire and, and, and you know, new people come through, so, but there, there, is, there is kind of a, a hardcore group of people that have been 
been around the scene for, for 10 years or so. You've like Dale, Dale Ferguson, for an example. So, and it's always been said when when people, new people come into, into the group, they're always welcomed in and they all bond together really quickly. They've got a, a good, solid group of people. So, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. You haven't got a Danny Brough or a Peter Wallace this time who probably when things get tough you give them the ball and they'll manufacture something does that make you more of a team if you yeah, haven't got those individuals yeah I think so yeah but, but you know you, you can't detract away from from other guys who, who are good with balling and um, so Ryan Briley's been you know, outstanding all year for Salford um, we've got a young kid uh, a halfback called Bailey Haywood who's been playing reserve grade at Canary Bulldogs and just been promoted to first grade squad for next year so we're expecting big things from him uh, so yeah the, you know like we said before like good people come and go and you know we're always looking forward to getting new people in and watching them perform. The last World Cup we had on home soil you're based predominantly around Workington fans really got behind you because of the effort they could see that you were putting in the results came on the back of that one particularly memorable one uh, are you looking for that kind of scenario again this time? Yeah, we are. Yeah, like I've said before, you know, the the, the people of well, two two out of three games are, are based in Newcastle at Kingston Park. Um, so obviously, Thunder play there. There's uh, Newcastle Falcons rugby union. So, you know, if we could get a bit of a buy-in from from those guys, and the, the Newcastle public uh, love the sport, they're very knowledgeable about the sport. You know, and I think it might help us with the uh, England Samoa being, being on Saturday. I know a lot of people are staying over to to watch our game on the Sunday as well um, so yeah no, speaking to one of the organisers I think you know they've sold around seven, 8,000 tickets already so I think it holds 10,500 so if, if we could get that number in you know, the atmosphere is going to be incredible and as a coach how exciting is it to know that you're coming up against Australia who might not be the number one ranked world nation at the moment and they are the favourites for this tournament it, it, you know you going up against Malmeninga does that excite you? Absolutely, it does. Yeah, it's it's the same as same as the players. You know, this is this is a world stage for, for coaches as well as it is for players. But you know, we'll we'll just do our, our best for the players as a group of coaching staff and try and get the best out of them. Put the put the right structures in place so they're all comfortable and they're not wanting for anything. So that will bring the best out in the performance. Yeah, I'm obviously really excited. It was obviously really good news when obviously went to told me a few months ago. Really stoked, um, super excited. We, I know it's a bit of a cliche thing to say, but we've obviously we trained really hard uh, up to up until now, and we're, all the boys now are really excited and kicking at the bit to get started. Spirit in the camp, uh, ready for the first game. Oh, 100 percent. The boys have uh, organically created that. You know, it's uh, it's feeling pretty special to be honest. You know, again, it's my fourth World Cup and I've had four different groupings and you know the, the boys are doing really well, they're really tight. Uh, you dropped some players from the NRL in, how are they fitting into things? Oh, easy, you know, again, like I told everyone already, it's, this has been a process, there's been a lot of bonding's gone behind. As it just surprisingly happened overnight, uh, Kez has been involved in the in discussions for a, long, for a number of months, as has George. George has been heavily part of the logistic planning. Uh, kit planning, you know, again as the skipper as the senior player should have that input. So uh, yeah, we're happy where we're at. You designed this? Is this your design? I know I didn't have any part in the playing kit, but, um, <laughs> but no, I just had to make sure that Jed uh, designed it a little bit correctly because some of the clothes, obviously, Jed designed were a bit. But no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. It was fine. It was fine. 
one of the best spines in the competition. Um, I think it's made everybody sit, sit up and take notice. Expectations gone up as to what you might achieve. Uh, yeah, um, obviously we're bringing uh, Luke over. It's obviously massive uh, in the development of our team, and you know I know he want, really desperately wanted to play in the last World Cup. But so has Keyes as well. Keyes has really stepped up this year. Obviously, been, I think he's been championships, if not one of the best players that jump in championships. So I'm really looking forward to them too. And Brendan O'Hagan as well, he's back trumping at the bit. Um, you've got Myler as well at the back. And even even across the spine, his back line is fantastic. You know, there's some really raw talent, some really talent as well. So I'm just really looking forward to him, just how we gel as a team. And you know, so far it's been really positive. Would you say that the the squad is similar to that in 2000 which made the quarterfinals a lot of people that year played for the heritage reasons you had a you know, fantastic team that everybody wanted to watch very nearly beat England at Headingley is, is that the similarities do you think? Yeah very close uh, you know I stay in contact with Tez and Baz and uh, Brian uh, Tommy Martin it's such some stylists from that year in the 2000 but uh, yeah again I just want to emphasise that uh, you know what you said about the spine there Phil you very, very. It's nice to be noticed for a change. You know, it's it's a lot of fun. He's gone into it, but yeah, rightly so. We'll we'll shock a lot of people with that span we've got. Cookie at dummy half. Both Keezy, as Josh said, he's been outstanding this year at championship level. Kez is just another level, and then obviously Rich's IQ at the back there is just you know it's just a different level altogether. But no, uh, yeah, I've drawn a lot on the 2000 culture. You know, that it was driven by the players, and that's something I've uh, asked Josh to drive and drive hard. Everybody's jumped on board in the dri- and, and we're driving at some speed, so let's let's watch out. So on a scale of two to nine, how exciting are you for the World Cup? That's what I could have asked Brian McDermott, but he wasn't there. Uh, however, there was Michael Maguire, the head coach of the world's number one team. They are New Zealand, and he spoke to us. A lot of people talk about your team as favourites. How does that mantle sit with you? Oh, oh, it's nice. Yeah. But, uh, also, no, we've got to make sure that we... Uh, we performed to that level too. So, uh, look, I, I think there's, um, you know, we all know Australia's had a few runs on the board over World Cups, um, and New Zealand's only had one in 2008. So, you know, it's about uh, building on that. And I know I've got a group that's um, very keen to succeed and uh, be a part of that, that history. I mean, considering the impact that COVID's had, the Warriors haven't played at home, you know, what would a World Cup mean for New Zealand? Also at a time when the All Blacks are, you know, they're struggling. Yeah, oh, it'd be enormous. Oh, yeah, I've spent a fair bit of time backwards and forwards uh, going to New Zealand and, you know, unfortunately the game's probably taken a bit of a hit because of the fact there's no Warriors and uh, but it's nice to see them back in there now but to be able to take the World Cup back to, to New Zealand, I think it'd be very special for, for everyone over there and, you know, I, I guess... People sometimes don't give them enough recognition about the player development that's coming out of New Zealand. Um, you know, that's helped the nations that are, are building now. Uh, and that's been going on in the background for quite some time. So yeah, to be able to take the World Cup back into, into New Zealand will definitely help the grassroots along with you know, the, the, the history of what it's all about with the World Cup. You seem to have a very settled team at the moment as well, something that you've tried to uh, inculcate in the time that you've been in charge. Um, is that going to help you, do you think? I think so. I mean, we had a mid-year test which we were able to come together. Uh, I guess you know, the Australians have the origin and they're playing at intensities at above and beyond sort of club level. So it was nice actually bringing our players together and play at a pretty decent uh, level there together as a group. Um, so, yeah, and then over the longevity of being in the job, it's helped me to build the relationships with the players and bring the same players together to build that sort of connection and the cohesion of what 
yeah, good teams are made of. And I don't envy your selection of forwards. Um, obviously, <laughs> we saw how well they went on Saturday, which you you said don't read too much into that. But that was without at least two or three players who um, have either played in grand finals or. Yeah, well, I was very lucky to say that I had six players that played in the grand final. Yeah. I was sitting on the sideline, but uh, and I had Joey Marno and Jaguar Hargreaves uh, sitting there as well. But look, you, you know, Leeds, you know, to their credit, they had to put a team together because. A number of their grand finalists were, were not in the team because of injury or at rep duty, so you know, respect for what it was. But it was a good hit out for us to, to play a game of footy again, and it was nice to see a few of the combinations. Um, you know, we trialled a few things as well, which is good. And do you know what your best uh, 17 is to, to kick off this weekend? Oh, look, I've, got, I've got in my mind, yeah, what it will be. Um, but also, too, across the course of the, the World Cup, it's about performance, and um, you know, players will get an opportunity uh, if I see fit to. To where they're at, because you know, I have, as you said, I've got some guys that I could put one in, and I could put another one in um, at, at similar levels. So it's about how they come together as a group. That's the key. I know you weren't involved five years ago, but obviously that was a very disappointing tournament for New Zealand. Is that a motivation for this team, or are they, you know, they kind of? This is a new team going forward. I think the organisation itself has changed a bit, and you know, there were some unforeseen circumstances. I think leading into that, which became um, pretty tricky for them, but. Look, I've really focused on us moving forward and uh, you know, the fact that you know, I still pay reference to the past and you know, that this, there's a number of these players that have uh, built various values about who we are as a group to where we are now. So, And you take your lessons. I saw Steve Price last week. Can you even shave that moustache? It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty ordinary. Is he trying to be a lad or something? Oh, I, don't no, know. I don't know. He's just a character on pricing. So, uh, but the team unity seems great. You know, yeah, you yeah. can see that in the mid-season test against yeah, Tonga. Yeah. You know, your team was amazing. Yeah, they're, they're a pretty tight group, actually. Oh, yeah, they are. Well, actually, they're, they're a very tight group. Um, and so coming into camp, I actually I love it. You, know, it's a, you just stand back and you watch them because they've all, a lot of them have grown up with each other or played footy somewhere outside the Kiwi team as well so there's a really strong bond between the boys um, and obviously when you tour you you do get tight with the group uh, the stories and the, and the laughs that you have along the way yeah. We've talked about how special it was on Friday no, Saturday sorry against Leeds that kind of emotion and that kind of event like provide extra inspiration for the tournament Oh look I'd like to think so like, you know, we're lucky to have Tommy Lulloy come in and um, you know, to see all the Kiwis you know, form the haka with uh, Tommy and his three daughters they're, they're special things that make up what the Kiwis stand for um, so having those um, moments in the background oh, I think it plays a big part in what your culture is and who your people are and you can see how much respect everyone has for Tommy and I think you know, all the Kiwis have a lot of respect for anyone that's put the jersey on Have you looked further ahead into the tournament or how far you might go or who you might play quarter-final, semi-final or are you just concentrating on the group stage? We handle what's in front of us. That's that's the key. Yeah. Um, as you get going, you, you well, myself personally, we're probably more about ourselves because uh, you know there are teams there that I don't really know some of the players and how they'll come together. But what you've got to do is continually practice and work on yourself. So I think we do that. Uh, that'll give us a good uh, opportunity at the back end. You obviously live in Australia and coaching there a long time. What do you think of the Kangaroos? Is there a bit of pressure on them? Yeah, losing to Tonga last time. They haven't played a game for. Very strong, very strong outfit. I think all their players have played at highest level for a long time. They've played in oranges and they've got to come together just like all of us. So, uh, as I said, we'll look at ourselves and if we deal with that, then I think I've got the talent that uh, can uh, go where we want to go.
you had a great night at Wigan. Um, they they made a, a nice uh, tribute to you when you came over. What's it like being back? Uh, are you enjoying? That was unreal. <laughs> it was excellent, actually. Um, yeah, I was, I was quite shocked at you know what Chris Radinsky is doing there and yeah, the organisation. They, they do things at high level. You know, I, obviously I was just talking with Ian. I was walking along and there was a big curtain. I had no idea what was behind the curtain because we were actually running a bit late and that all been waiting. We got stuck in traffic as you do on the M62 or whatever it was. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, that hasn't changed. Got worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, we get, we definitely got caught in it. And I was literally walking up and they called me up and I tried to run down to. I came around and there was about 400 people sitting there and. No, it was it was a great night. Like they they did it really well. But then to sit and talk to uh, you know, a lot of the great fans that you know recognise all the faces, uh, they all came up and uh, when you have a good time like we did, we got to know a lot of the great fans. But I also had a lot of the great players there: uh, Diggs, uh, uh, Faz, Walkers, uh, Fecker. Uh, yeah, there were a few more there that you know, that, you know, uh, you know touched base with quite a lot of them since I've been here. So I'm, I'm keen to try and catch up with them. So anyway, it was a good night. New Zealand, one of the favourites, as our Tonga. We'll hear from Christian Wolf in a few moments' time. But first, we're heading to one of the smaller nations at the World Cup, and it's time to learn something. I don't know much about the Cook Islands, other than that they play rugby league. So, what did I ask Tony Iro first of all? This is a, a strange question to start with, but I don't know much about the Cook Islands. It, it, it's, all I know about the Cook Islands is they play rugby league. What, what should I know about the Cook Islands? Uh, yeah, beautiful set of islands. Um, the main island of Rarotonga, uh, 12,000 population. Uh, most of our population is based in Australia and New Zealand, so I think there's about 150,000 or so. But, uh, that beautiful place. Uh, you know, if you're ever thinking of going to the Pacific Islands, whether it's Fiji, Tonga, Samoa, go to the Cooks first. I'll guarantee you'll like that. You'll love it. There you go. That's the advert, isn't it? That's, that's the, the Cook Island Tourist Board. Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, what are you hoping for at this World Cup? Obviously, it's a, a tough test, but it, it's going to be a, a, a fun few weeks. Oh, yeah, no, like, uh, we've just thought about the opportunity to be fair and uh, thrilled to have it. Uh, it's our first World Cup since 2013. And, um, I know the players, we've brought a, you know, a handy squad. Uh, we're confident they can uh, play well. And, uh, you know, if on the day we're good enough, we'll be good enough. But uh, certainly, you know, having 10 days preparation, when we first saw that, uh, was a bit of a concern. But I think it might actually uh, work in our favour. You know, we've had to pull uh, players from... A number of countries, uh, so to get them together and have a good week and a half together uh, will we'll give us an opportunity to be at our best. This is where I actually do my job for me. Which players in the squad should we be looking out for? Oh, which players? Um, well, we've got a number of uh, NRL players uh, in the squad. Uh, David Mawali, who's only 19 out of South Sydney Rabbitohs, uh, hasn't played a lot of NRL footy, but it's going to. You can, I can promise you that. Uh, Tepai Moiroa, who's, uh, who's, at, who's at the Storm this year, played most of the most of the uh, first half of the year with the uh, Melbourne team and, and then broke his shoulder. So, um, But he's back. He's back playing. So um, he's, a, he's a real competitor, a good player. Uh, Another another kid we've got is Rua uh, Natikaura, who's a, uh, a young hooker out of West Tigers, highly regarded in their top 30 this year. Hasn't played in the NRL yet, but I'm pretty sure he's going to as well. So um, yeah, we've got that. You know, we've got got a nice sprinkling of Super League players as well: Don Peru and uh, Zane Tedavano, Brad Takarangi. 
Uh, so we've got some, you've got some players who know their way around the footy field and uh, put that in a, a bunch of real enthusiastic boys out of the State Cup in, uh, in Australia and uh, I think we'll be OK. Is this the best and most ex- experienced squad the Cubs have ever brought over to a, to a World Cup, do you think? Trying to think, I think 2013 would have been pretty similar. Uh, pretty similar, but um, yeah, I, I just think you know the tournament this year has a different feel than it, than it did in 2013. I think uh, there's so many more talent, more players, and talented players here. I think in uh, 2013, the island nations still still hadn't grabbed a, a you know a foothold in the in the international uh, arena. So now, you know, now with all the Tongan boys playing for Tonga, all the Samoan boys now committing to their country, uh, there's a lot of good players in the tournament. So, uh, and I like that. And you know, the same with us. I think it's the first time ever that I can think of that uh, clubs in the NRL they're just ex- accepting that their players are going to go to the World Cup because uh, they're going and um, that wasn't always the case and we've asked the question of nations like Lebanon and Jamaica what it would mean back home um, if you were to progress in the World Cup or if you were to put on a display where people could feel proud of, of being a Cook Islander what do you think, I mean you said you're laid back people it's a beautiful place, will there be crowding round to watch your exploits do you think? Oh, definitely. I, it is the uh, national sport in the Cook Islands, uh, rugby league. So we've taken over uh, that mantle from rugby union about a decade ago. Uh, so with us, you know, Papua New Guinea is the other country where you know they're pretty fervent as well. Um, but I think uh, I think the fact that we're we're such a small country, um, uh, everyone knows a player who's who's in our squad was probably related to them. So. Uh, yeah, there's lots of people who will be supporting us. Uh, obviously, we've got a fair population of Cook Islanders in Australia and New Zealand as well, and they follow the boys, uh, you know, on, on Instagram, all the social media pages. So, yeah, no, we've got lots of support, uh, and um, we're hoping that we can do the proud. One of the star names, perhaps you didn't mention, but we should be looking out for. How exciting is it to be coaching your nephew? Yeah, I never bring up KL because uh, he'd be embarrassed and uh, I'd be looking like I was uh, you know, playing favours. But no, nah, he's uh, he's a good kid, tough kid. Uh, I was just speaking to uh, someone else before about his ability, and you know he's not as fast as fast as his dad Kevin. Uh, I certainly think he's tougher, so uh, I like saying that. Um, but uh, no, he's a good player. He's. Uh, Pretty, he's a good utility. He can play uh, most most positions in the back line, and uh, like his dad, he's very hard to tackle. So I'll, I'll take that any day. And in terms of aspirations for the tournament, do you set them now, or do you wait and see how the first game goes and then reassess as you go along? Oh well, I've, I've, I've been told a number of times today that we're in the pool of death. Um, yeah. So you know, one game at a time. Um, Look, looking forward to seeing Papua New Guinea and Tonga about to be Jesus out of each other, hopefully. Um, and then uh, Wales and I, Wales and ourselves will have a, have a bit of fun, and then we'll, we'll see what happens after that. But certainly, first game is really important for all four nations, uh, and we're no different. And Wales have said, uh, John Keir mentioned it when he spoke to us, that he, he thought that it would benefit them playing you first. Do you feel the same way? Uh, yeah, I, I suppose, um, like I said, we're looking forward to the opportunity. Um, uh, you know, we've got 10 days prep, as I said, with the last last round, uh, last round, game of the first round. Um, 
So we would have seen plenty of football before us. Hopefully that gets our boys excited. Um, but yeah, whoever we were going to play, we were going to look forward to it. Just happens to be Wales. Christian, the World Cup, your extended tour of England continues as a coach. How confident are you Tonga can go all the way? Oh, look, I'm extremely confident in this group. We've put together an exceptional group of men, an exceptional group of players. And yeah, if you have a look through the squad, every player is playing in NRL or playing Super League on a really consistent basis bar one. And that's something we've never had before. We've, we've had to uh, draw young guys in. We've had to draw from New South Wales Cup and Queensland Cup in the past. And this year we're a lot more experienced in terms of playing at the top level. So that gives us a real confidence, gives us a real class. But what we also know is we've got a lot of hard work we've got to do and there's some great teams and, and uh, we're not going to look any further than the, the great team that we're going to play next Tuesday, which is PNG. You were the Hunters before, now you're the Hunters. You know, everyone's talking about Tonga. What's that like, you know, coming into the World Cup? Yeah, look, we, we realise there's some expectation there and we're very comfortable with that. Uh, you look across our squad and, and I think we're, uh, we deserve to have some expectation on us. And the players are comfortable with that. We're very confident in our ability and, uh, yeah, we're going to go and back, and back ourselves. Would it be fair to say that in the past time we've had to play players out of position, but now you're going to have some selection choices? We're definitely going to have some selection choices, yeah. And, um, yeah we, we probably have had to play players out of position. If you look in the mid-year test, we played Katoni Staggs at six. Uh, if I look at uh, 2019, we played John Asiata uh, at six as well. And that's always been a bit of a trouble area for us, so to speak, that six and seven. But I think we're really well off there at the moment. Young Junior Armani's come through and played exceptional for um, St George this year. Tui Lola here is the, the fittest and played the most consistent that I've seen him play uh, for Huddersfield. And, you know, I think when he played for Huddersfield, they were a very dangerous team. When he didn't play, they, uh, they, they, they struggled to find points a little bit more. And uh, he's, he's, he's such a crucial player for them. And uh, I'm really excited about young Isaiah Katoa. Uh, he hasn't played, played in a role of Super League, but He's, uh, he's, he's been exceptional in the uh, New South Wales Cup. He's uh, uh, taken his Jersey flag team to, um, uh, uh, to a premiership. And um, I was just questioning what, what the competition was called. I think I got that one right. <laughs> I think it's still flag. <laughs> yeah, it is Jersey flag. Um, so uh, he's an exceptional young talent. He's going to put some pressure on other guys. Do you draw on 2017 and what happened and the heartbreak of how that ended? Or is that forgotten now? It's a long time ago, to be honest. That's five years ago. And, uh, it's something that I know I was really proud to be a part of and there's a, a large number of players still involved that are really proud to have been a part of it and just everything that came with that game, the atmosphere was unbelievable, the Tongan fans, um, uh, Diana Jane singing the national anthem which was a, a real iconic moment, the, uh, the, the footage of the King uh, being, being present that day, there's so many things that I remember forever uh, but none, none more so than uh, the look of the stadium and to see a red and it was absolutely unbelievable to walk into and you get, you get cut the atmosphere but we're a very new team uh, we've got a lot of players that have transitioned on and a lot of new players that have come in and you know, they want to make their own legacy and put their own footprint here and they've got the potential to do that. I spoke to Monty before the grand final he said you're basically half Tongan now how does it flow from our eyes to kind of I guess embrace that because you are you know you fully embrace it you, yeah, you've really taken on what it means to be Tom and you know, their culture and their values. Yeah, look, they're a group of men that are very close to my heart, to be honest with you. And I've known guys like Jason, uh, Jason Tomololo, um, the, the Pangai family, uh, other Tonga families. Uh, I've known Jason since he moved to the country at 13, 14. So uh, him and his family. And uh, you know, the way they treat my family, the way they accept my family, um, it's unbelievable to be a part of. And, 
Um, you know, when I've been involved for as long as I have, you, you do grow very close to the players, you do grow very close to the culture and I've been uh, with some, some people on staff that I consider you know, very, very close friends and uh, the people I trust, uh, the people I've been involved with for a long time and the people I want to go and take the family to visit different times as well when we, when we do get back to that part of the world. So, uh, you know, I'm very proud and very privileged to be a part of the tournament team and be able to play the role I do with an exceptional group of men. I mean, three grand final wins in a row. World Cup winner looked pretty good on the CV. I think maybe Wayne will be assisting you another round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've said before, it's not, you know, it's not about us as coaches, yeah. it's not about our CVs, it's about what the players do. And uh, yeah, I was very, very fortunate to, to work with a, an exceptional group of men at St Helens and a group of men that just wanted to work extremely hard and won competitions on the fact that they work harder than other people. And now I'm uh, involved with a different team that. I see a lot of similarities in. You know, this group of men make sacrifice to be a part of Tonga, the same as St Helens players make sacrifice to remain at St Helens. And, uh, they're both working class, or both come from very working class sort of origins, and uh, both very proud and very passionate about what they represent. And, and that's great to be a part of. And you know, the way the Tonga men carry themselves as men, the way they play, the exceptional class and talent they've got, as I said, it's a privilege to be a part of them. He says it's a privilege to lead them into the World Cup. Tonga coach Christian Wolf. Always a privilege to put Tonga stuff on YouTube because it gets loads of views. As has Papua New Guinea, which means I must find a way of going to those games more and getting more views for YouTube because that's what it's all about. Right, final one of this programme, the final person we spoke to, well, not in reality, but in terms of putting this thing together, was the Lebanon coach Michael Check. Now, what an interesting story this is. This is a guy who, last time there was a... Rugby World Cup in this country, and I use rugby in the generic sense there, for men, in 2015, he was the coach of the Wallabies, the Australian Rugby Union team. Now, obviously, I didn't watch any of it, apart from the two games I went to at Leeds, because I, you know, got him free. But they, they didn't win. They, they lost to the All Blacks. That, that, that's what happens in Rugby Union. They're like the Germans in football. However, he is now the coach of the Lebanon national team, who are a team... I think a lot of us will be keeping a close eye on in this World Cup. And he told his, his interesting story to us on Monday afternoon. Obviously, I'm Lebanese heritage. Both my parents are born in Lebanon. My dad emigrated to Australia in 1950. And, uh, you know, I'm a very proud Australian Lebanese person, you know. like So when the opportunity came, uh, and that came through, you know, after 19 World Cup, I wanted to, you know, do something a little bit different, challenge myself and... Uh, good mates with Trent Robinson, he invited me down to the Roosters and then met someone who was involved with the Lebanese Rugby League and one thing led to another and here we are, you know, and I've really enjoyed everything that's been, you know, part of it so far. First of all, to be involved with a, a Lebanese national team and then second of all, to be involved in a World Cup, a different code, uh, it's pretty special for me. We, we have plenty of rugby league coaches have gone the other way, but not many come this way. What, what's been the uh, the differences you've found so far in coaching league competitive? Yeah, no, not a lot. I think that, you know that the, obviously the, per, the people management side of things is very similar. You know, you've got to get the best out of people. You've got to pick good people to be around you and with you, who challenge you and make you better. Uh, you've got to be good with selections. You know, and understand who's playing well and who's got the next level in it. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of the fundamental skills are exactly the same. You know? Run hard, carry the ball, pass, tackle well, you know, move together. Um, you know, there are some fundamental differences as well tactically. So, you know, rugby, every ball's a contest, league not as much. So, 
there's different strategies. And, and like in my own rugby team, you know, I'll have expertise with Matt King and Robbie Farrer and Jake Friend has been with us in Australia. Or Tony Ray's coming up to help us here a little bit while we're here. So they'll, they'll apply the, the those parts of the game that, you know, need that finesse of someone who's been involved in rugby league for, for years. But... I've got a few parts of the game that I'm pretty clear about that I want to I want the boys to do better at and improve at so we can be competitive in all the games. You see, as you mentioned, there's so much crossover in coaches, you know, the Farrells. Obviously, Eddie Jones has had a lot of rugby league people, and you, you went on the Roosters. You see the two coaches coming closer together in some ways, you know, the contact area and, and use of decoy runners, things like that? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I think that they're definitely looking more the same. Now, obviously, the, the huge difference is the, the 10 metre, you know, it creates, and, and, and then the ruck area. But you still want a quick ruck in rugby, you want a quick ruck in rugby league. It's the same thing, you know, it's about how you get that quick ruck and vice versa on the other side. Of course, rugby set pieces, it's not as relevant here in rugby, in rugby league, so it allows you to focus on different things in training. Set pieces take up a lot of time in rugby training because that's the fundamental part of ball winning. But, um, you know, we'll try a few rugby tricks for sure. You know, some different things that you probably wouldn't have seen in rugby league before. Uh, I'm trying to convince Robbie and Kingy that, that, that that's okay to run. Don't worry, I'll take responsibility if they fall flat. But, uh, yeah, we want to enjoy ourselves too by, yeah, you know, we've got some experience from a different code. Why not use it? I remember at the times you brought the golf club in the dressing room. We're going to see something like oh, the boys up. I think they'll be... Well, look, I think it won't be too hard to get the boys ready. It's going to be more about getting them up to the battle that they can, you know, like I'd say we're playing against the world number one this weekend. Like, we've got some fellas who are amateurs playing, you know, like you'll be good enough players, you know. Be, you're, you're ready for this challenge and we'll give you the way to play it out. Just get up there and do your absolute best. Don't be don't be in awe of it, you know. When the time comes, we'll be ready to play. On well, that ABC documentary, we learn about the story of your mum and dad. Your dad's there with photographs of Hoffman and Paul Keating. I mean, that, your parents must be very proud, you know, you, you know, to connect with your heritage as well. Definitely. After leading the Wallabies and, you know, representing the Australia. Yeah, I think that the first thing, you know, being a... You know, there probably wasn't a whole lot of Lebanese kids playing rugby when I was playing, so, you know, and then to get, you know, be coaching there, I never got to play for Australia, which is a bit, you know, obviously a huge disappointment for me from that point of view, you know, I would have loved to. But uh, to coach them, as you know, there and now, to be able to coach here and, you know, actually have the cedar tree on my, on my chest, and, uh, it's obviously a great experience. My, my old man's passed away now for many years, but my mum, super proud, lots more interested in footy than I've ever seen her, you know, for some reason. Back in the day, I think every time she turned up to a game, I got sent off, so she wasn't allowed to come watch any games. So um, she's, they're, they're loving it, you know, and I, I want them to enjoy it as well. And, I mean, particularly for people in Lebanon, what the country's been through, you know, natural disasters, and again, they've struggled, and yeah, there's been political infighting, so just to get to this World Cup um, is yeah. massive, but yeah. Huge, and, and may not, like, I think we're not going to be naive and say that the rugby league's a huge sport over there. There's a, a small niche participating base and fan base, but you'll get everyone watching because... You know, they don't get to play their teams playing on the elite stage, World Cup stage very often. And if we can provide a couple of hours where they can just cheer and enjoy and be free of some of the troubles that they have on a day-to-day basis and inspire a few young kids to say, well, I can get to the World the, the, the World Cup in my chosen sport. It doesn't have to be rugby league or as a, in literature or in the arts or in business or whatever. Then we're going to try and do it.
and also I guess representing 11 Asian Australians because they're a community as say in the documentary but in 2005 they caught the ownership but in rugby league you're Benny Elias Mitchell Moses you Hazem you know they're such positive role models for yeah. the community and, and they're great people huge influence in many of the clubs like we were We've had the blue carpet treatment at Bulldogs this you know, while we've been, you know, they're a big Lebanese-based club and since in the preparation they've given us all their facilities, St George, Tigers, Parramatta, big following of Lebanese community and and they're really, you know, working class people, they're very much in, in the rugby league world and I think the big thing for those guys is that a lot of our players here have been able to build a connection with Lebanon as part of the diaspora that... They would never have had if it wasn't for the game and for what they're doing now. So that could only be a good thing. What about Ryan thinking that when you make the quarterfinals, you might have a clash of, of conflict? <laughs> well, you won't be right because we're not talking about anything else except no. this week, right? But if we were, <laughs> the calendars might collide, but we'll deal with that on another occasion. We'll see. And that would be a historic moment. I know we're not talking about it. Well, we're not talking about it. <laughs> You talk about it. No, I haven't. I genuinely yeah. have not thought about it because everyone keeps telling me about it and I keep going, no, no, not listening. So, but are the quarterfinals realistic? Because clearly if you make it, then you're at France and then there's a cultural link between Lebanon and France that is incredibly strong. There is, there is. And obviously I'm a, I've got a strong connection to France myself, you know. I've lived there for many. I'm living there now, you know. So, um, the, like... That, that whole thing is is probably secondary to wanting to perform really well and wanting these young fellas because we've got a different type of team to we had in 17. 17 were a bit more old than Grizzly, you know, a lot of experience. This is a young team, probably a little more athletic, if no disrespect to the 17 crew, but a little bit less mature. And what we want to do is make them understand during this trip what it's like to compete at the elite level. You wanted to juggle a lot of plates, you know, do a lot of different jobs, fashion, etc., real estate. Um, Eddie Jones is always saying he wants to coach in the NRL. You reckon Manly looks like they need a coach? Want to coach in the NRL one day? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not up to me. Yeah, I, know, I, mean? I, know. I can't just say oh, I'm going there. That's what Eddie does. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, <laughs> mate. I've been asked that question a lot. Obviously, yeah. like I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. And then I've never been one of those guys who says, "Oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that." I just to try and do my best here and see what happens. So many stories, and the event hasn't kicked off yet. We'll be live in Newcastle on Friday night at the Central Library, 6 o'clock. Details on our pinned tweet if you want to come along. Maybe you've uh, gone up to Newcastle early, you've done the zip wire, you've been around the fan zone. Uh, enjoy the World Cup, whether you're watching at home or there in person. We will no doubt see you somewhere along the line. Uh, more podcasts to come. This is the 4020, almost daily. Rugby League World Cup podcast. Not an official production, just in case anyone gets in trouble. Well, well, well. Shopping for a car? Yep. Carvana made financing a car as smooth as can be. Oh, yeah? I got pre-qualified instantly and had real terms personalized just for me. Doesn't get much smoother than that. Well, I got to browse thousands of car options on Carvana, all within my budget. Doesn't get much smoother than that. It does. I actually wanted a car that seemed out of my range, but I was able to add a cosigner and found my dream car. It doesn't get much... Oh, it gets smoother. It's getting delivered tomorrow. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get pre-qualified today. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 